Well, we live in a hurting world. We all have been hurt and we all inflict hurt. Hurting is natural. Forgiveness is supernatural. That's God's gift to us. That's the journey that we're on. And I want to talk today for a few minutes about the connection between the fact that everybody who hurts you is also someone who has been hurt. Old expression, hurt people hurt people. And so what we're going to work on today is the gift of compassion. One of the great statements in the Bible about forgiveness is in Psalm 103, where the psalmist says, as far as the east is from the west, how far is that? That's how far God has removed our transgressions from us. That's the forgiving power of God. And then that gets connected to compassion. The psalmist says, for as a father has compassion on his children, so God has compassion on us. And then this, for he knows how we were made he remembers that we are dust. Everybody is a dusty person. Everybody has problems. Everybody has been hurt. Everybody's been the victim of something. So we want to offer forgiveness altruistically as a gift. And part of how we do that is when we develop compassion and we remember that everybody is walking around with wounds. It doesn't uh, mean that they didn't do something that was bad or wrong. It enables us to experience compassion for them. It's very striking. In the New Testament, um, there's a verb for expressing compassion. It's used only in the Gospels, almost always either of Jesus or characters that he talks about in the parable, like the father of the prodigal son who has compassion on his runaway kid or the, the master who has compassion on the servant that has been in debt. If you know the old King James Bible, if you by any chance are old enough to have grown up in a church that used that, you might remember an expression that seems odd to us. I always thought it was kind of funny when I was a kid. They would talk about bowels of compassion. Or Paul in Colossians 3.12, it talks about put on bowels of mercy. John writes in 1 John about anybody who has worldly goods and sees somebody in need, but shutteth up bowels of compassion. And the idea that was in the ancient world, where we think of emotions coming from the heart, we'll use that kind of imagery, Valentine's Day and so, they talked about the internal organs, the gut, what we think about as the gut. Now, it's very interesting. Tons of research in our day. The gut has, you may know this, uh, over 100 million nerve cells. It is now sometimes referred to as the second brain. It's able, it's like the little brain that can communicate directly with your big brain and it can feel things quite deeply and be aware in quite deep ways. Now, in our day, what's interesting is when we talk about our bowels, we don't talk about bowels of compassion. In our day, we have irritable bowel syndrome. And I don't mean to make light of that physically. That can be a pretty miserable situation. It is, of course, often inflamed by anger or irritability. And that thought of God, I, I have a kind of spiritual irritable bowels. I have something inside me that wants to blame people, that wants to pass judgment on them. And I find these thoughts going on inside me all the time. Would you replace that miserable, selfish, bitter little internal ego, little brain, second brain, my irritable, bowel, <laughs> irritable bowels with bowels of compassion? And in moving towards compassion and thinking about whoever has hurt me, they also have suffered hurt. 
I, I want to uh, read a few words from C.S. Lewis. He has a wonderful essay on forgiveness. He talks about how in the creed, one of the things it says that we believe is we believe in the forgiveness of sins. What does it mean to actually believe in that? What does it mean for you to believe in it for yourself as you need to experience forgiveness or forgive yourself? And what Lewis gets into is talking about the difference between excusing and forgiving, how that plays out when I look at me, and then how that plays out when I look at somebody else with bowels of compassion rather than irritable bowels. So here we go. Lewis writes, I find that when I think I'm asking God to forgive me, I am often in reality, unless I watch myself carefully, asking him to do something quite different. I am asking him not to forgive me, but to excuse me. And there is all the difference in the world between forgiving and excusing. Forgiveness says, yes, you have done this thing, but I accept your apology. I will not hold it against you. Everything between the two of us will be right. But excusing says, I can see that you couldn't help it or didn't mean it. You weren't really to blame. If one was not really to blame, then there is nothing to forgive. In that sense, forgiveness and excusing are almost opposites. Now, of course, in real life, uh, the vast majority of the time, there's a mixture. And if I have done something wrong, it might well be that I didn't have much sleep the night before, or that I was afraid about something, or that I misunderstood something quite innocently. So there are elements of it that ought to be excused. But then there is at least a bit of it that is inexcusable, where I simply chose to do wrong. Thank God the inexcusable is not the unforgivable. To forgive, that's where sometimes people will say, but this person lied to me. Yes, exactly. That's why forgiveness is needed. The inexcusable is not the unforgivable. And that's why Lewis says, um, it's important for us to really and truly believe in the forgiveness of sins. A great deal of our anxiety is to make ex- to make excuses comes from not really believing it, from thinking that God will not take us to himself unless he's satisfied that some sort of case can be made out in our favor. But that would not be forgiveness at all. This is so good. Real forgiveness means looking steadily at the sin, the sin that is left over without any excuse after all allowances has been made, seeing it in all its horror, horror, dirt, meanness, and malice, and nevertheless being wholly reconciled to the person who has done it. That and only that is forgiveness. And we can always have that from God if we ask for it. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. You can be forgiven from God. Now, here's where Lewis goes on. When it comes to a question of forgiving other people, it's partly the same, partly different. It's the same because there too, forgiving does not mean excusing. The difference is, In our own case, we accept excuses too easily. In other people's, we do not accept them easily enough. As regards my own sin, it's a safe bet that the excuses are really not as good as I think. As it relates to the other persons, it's a safe bet that the excuses are better than I think. 
One therefore must begin by attending to everything which may show that the other person was not so much to blame as we thought. But even if he's absolutely fully to blame, we still have to forgive him. And even if 99% of his apparent guilt can be explained away by really good excuses, the problem of forgiveness begins with the 1% of guilt which is left over. To excuse what can really produce good excuses is not Christian charity, it's only fairness. To be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you, and this is hard. And I come back now to the story of Joseph and his brothers and his dad, Jacob, and how much enmity and hostility they couldn't stand Joseph the dreamer. And of course, he's betrayed by his brothers, ends up in slavery, and then ends up in prison. And uh, that's a horrible outcome. In every case, they were hurting people. The brothers had to wake up every day knowing that they weren't the favorite Joseph was and listen to his dreams where they were all going to be lowered down on the ladder of status. Joseph was hurt because he had to live every day knowing that his own brothers had sold him into slavery and that he suffered greatly and then that he was in prison through no fault of his own. And their dad had hurt them deeply by playing favorites, but you might remember Jacob too was hurt. He also knew what it was like to have a father that favored his brother Esau. Esau was the outdoor guy, hunter, tough guy. Jacob's the indoor guy. He grew up knowing that he would never make his dad's eyes light up. And his mom ended up using him in quite manipulative and deceitful ways to get back at his father. Everybody in the story was a hurting person. And so there were elements of what they did that they were not to blame for. That was just part of living in a broken, fallen world in a broken, fallen family. That's where we live. And each one of them are moral agents. There's a part of the wrong that they did that could not be excused, could only be forgiven. So today, think about the people in your life. And this is part of what I'm working on now because my mind can run away with Um, believing other people are inexcusable and unforgivable. Think about somebody that's hurt you today. I've been doing this this morning. And think about what are good qualities that they have. Write them down if that will help you. And also think in particular today, how have they been hurt? How has that person who hurt me been wounded? Where have they suffered? What do I know? What do I not know? I only have to guess that because everybody's got genetic issues and family of origin issues and cultural issues. How has that person been hurt? We are hurting people. We are hurtful people. Forgive us as we forgive. Bowels of compassion today. It's not irritable bowel syndrome today. Today is bowels of compassion day. Thanks for joining us. At Become New, we want to grow spiritually one day at a time, but it's tough to do that alone. So we're offering a little more support for anyone who would like to work on putting the content into practice. You can sign up to receive a text at the end of each week in this series, asking if you completed the here's how portion for that week. If you want, you can reply to the text and let us know how it went, or if you need prayer in taking those action steps. To sign up for the end of week reminder, just text the word MORE 
to 855-888-0444 and we'll put you on the list. As always, to receive the emails or video links by text, you can let us know at becomenew.com slash subscribe. If you're already signed up for the emails but aren't getting them, try checking your spam folder or better yet, you can add us to your contact list. Our email address is connect at becomenew.com. If you need prayer, we're here for you. Text your specific prayer request to 855-888-0444. There's a team of us who meet each weekday to pray specifically over every person who sends a text in. We'll catch you next time.